Good morning. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but unfortunately, Pastor Gilbert cannot be here today. Um, but I thought it would be a really fun thing for us to um, wish him well. Um, I brought my camera up here, and um, I thought it would be really cool if um, I could record our church saying, Feel better soon, Pastor Gilbert. Can we try it? One, two, three. Feel better soon, Pastor Gilbert. Oh, you guys are good. He's going to love this. Now say it with excitement because I'm going to record it, and when we're done, I'm going to send it to him in a text message. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Yep, he's going to love that. <laughs> Today has been a very, or this week has been a very exciting week. Um, I, was, I was able to do something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. Um, and, and I only did it because somebody here at the church said, I know this is something that you didn't want to do on your own, so I'll go ahead and do it with me, or with you. So on Wednesday morning, I was so excited that I forgot that I was going to do this thing that I'm so excited about. Um, but we still ended up going, and um, both Lynn Kaiser and I jumped out of an airplane at 12,000 feet. It was one of the most thrilling moments of my life, and if it weren't for her courage, we would have never done it. Um, and so I just think um, it, is, it is a really, really great thing to have friends um, that help you uh, accomplish goals, and um, I've definitely met several here at this church, and I'm so glad to be here. And um, I hope that uh, if you are visiting for the first time, uh, or, or maybe for the first few times, that you make some really great friendships, and we as a church are going to do our best to keep our um, eyes open for people who um, don't attend often and who don't always come, we don't, faces that we don't see, and we're going to make sure that we extend a hand of invitation and of welcome to you. Um, uh, so my bucket list, I have something off of my bucket list, and I, I got to, to take off too because um, another one was do something that absolutely terrifies you. Um, and uh, I just am really grateful for um, the opportunity to do something crazy with a good friend of mine. Um, so that's a little bit about my week, and I hope that we're able to share um, some things to each other about what we've been doing and what we've um, experienced this week as we fellowship after church. Uh, this Sabbath, we will be talking about the signs of the second coming, and we will be reading from Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And I will read in your hearing uh, a big passage because uh, I don't want to break it up. Um, so much of this is meant to be read together, so I'm going to try to. I will be reading chapters 24 and 25. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our God and our Father, thank you for being here. Thank you for getting us through another week. Thank you for loving us and being devoted to us. Thank you for doing things that we don't even know we need to ask you for. God, we just, um, we want you to come home. We want to come home soon. And we invite you to do that right now in our hearts. May you allow us to not bring negativity into anyone's life, but to bring something positive and uplifting 
May our words reflect that you are living in our hearts today. And all God's people said, amen. Matthew chapter 24. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And the Bible says, Jesus left the temple and was going away. And when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, uh, uh, let me start again. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, but he answered them, You see all these? Do you not? Truly I say to you, there will, be not, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately saying, uh, Tell us, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See, you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For the nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginnings of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one who is in the housetop go down and take what is in his house. And let no one who is in the field turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, Pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been seen from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then, if anyone asks you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead you astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if I say to you, look, here in the wilderness, do not go out. And if they say to you, look, he is here in the inner rooms, do not believe that. For as lightning comes from the east and shines to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Whenever, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. 
And immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the heavens and the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then will appear the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather the elect from the four winds, one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as the branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all those things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then two men will be left in the field. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken, one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and he would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Who then? is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour when he does not know and will cut him into pieces and put him with the hypocrites in, in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Chapter 25. Then the kingdom of, of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five of them were wise. For, if the foolish, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oils with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him at the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, 
for you know neither the day nor the hour. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another, another one uh, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more, and so also with the one who had two talents made two more. But he who had received one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. No, now, after a long time, the master of men of those servants came and settled with uh, accounts with him. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I have made two more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid the talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents, for he will have an abundance." But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant out into the outer darkness and place in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory with all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, with, and, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on the right and the goats on the left, and then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. For I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. And then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or feed you, or thirsty, or give you drink? And when, and when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did you when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer to them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For when I was hungry, you gave me no food. For when I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. When I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. When I was naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. And then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you. Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. It's always important to me that, that scripture is read not just apart from the bigger story. Because the answer to the questions that were given to the disciples were not just warning signs, but then were followed by stories of what was more important. All of these things that are warning signs that there are wars, there are rumors of wars, there are false prophets, people will betray each other, there will be lawlessness, and the love of many have grown cold. Many of these things have been happening for hundreds of years. Jesus says that as these things continue to happen, people will live their lives as it was in the time of Noah, where people were living their lives as normal. And it tells us that in the story of Noah, if we read that in the account in the book of Genesis, that these people were living life for themselves. They were living it for their own, social, their own social gain, their own political gain, their own sexual pleasures. They were living life for their purpose. They had forgotten about God and have lacked making him a priority in, his life, in their life. As it was, the Bible says, in the time of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. A, a story is referenced about someone having their house robbed, and if the owner of the house knew when the robber was coming, he would not have allowed him to come into his house. But this robber came at a time when the owner did not expect him. And so over and over, Jesus is saying, all these things are happening, but know this. The moment you get comfortable in life and forget to put God as a priority in your life, then you will miss. You will not be prepared. Immediately after having these, these signs told, he says over and over again about how we will not know the time or the hour. Over and over again in our history and in Christianity, people have tried to say, God will come at this date. 
Even when I was in high school, I remember being exposed for the first time in my life to a, a, a sheet that had been mailed to one of my Bible teachers at the time, and he unraveled the sheet, and it, it was four or five pages um, taped together, and as he unraveled it, it was, it was a, line, uh, a, a, a timeline from the time of David, of, of the book of... Daniel, from the time of the book of Daniel, all the way to present time. And the calculations were set in, and we all kind of looked at each other going, whoa, and I was actually really scared. I was like, oh my goodness, how didn't I know this? What if I'm not prepared? What if I'm not saved? You know, we put up these timelines in, in school. Our teachers give us timelines for how long um, we have to finish an assignment. And the reason that they do that is because they know that if they don't give these timelines, then nobody will do their assignments. Because students, a majority of them, will wait until the very last minute to prepare and do everything they have to do in order to get that assignment done. And that's why when finals come around and when midterms come around, we use the phrase, I'm cramming for a test. I'm taking all of the information that I should have studied a long time ago and trying to memorize it in two weeks. It is a tendency for many people to live life the way they want to live it and cram for the deadline. But Jesus emphasizes this. In the time of my coming, you remember, always be prepared. It's like Jesus was the first Boy Scout. Talks about ten virgins. He tells a parable about ten virgins. And the foolish ones thought that they could calculate, well, the bridegroom won't come any later than this, so I only need to have this much oil. But the Bible says that the bridegroom was delayed. I remember in the story of Daniel, Daniel prays, and Jesus does not answer him for a certain amount of days, and it was a long time. And finally, the angel comes to, to Daniel and says, I would have come to you sooner, but I was delayed, fighting the enemy. I had to hold him back. And so it's not that I didn't hear your prayer. You see, the moment you started praying, we already came up with a plan to answer this. And I'm sorry you had to wait for my response, but I want you to know that even if you didn't hear what my response was, know that I am working on your behalf. There have been things for many of us that have happened in our lives that make us feel as if God is not there. Many experiences where we feel like we can't get through this for one more time. 
the hurt, the pain, the helplessness, the hopelessness, the inability to believe that I am capable of anything beyond this circumstance. And somehow, if we remember our history with God, we will remember the many times that he had been faithful to us and we did not even know it. And so perhaps when dealing with the signs of the end of time, if we take the advice that Jesus was giving to his disciples in stories, if we rather than focusing solely on knowing the exact moment when the time of the end of the age will come, if we focus on spending that time with him who is ageless, we will always be ready. But then life comes, right? I... Um, for the past three weeks, I've been uh, doing a series at a small worship service at Loma Linda University with um, Chaplain Dillis. And um, one of the things that I had asked the students there to do uh, was uh, last, the last Friday, I asked them if they would have three people to um, take a journal home. And I, I gave them a journal and I asked them to have and schedule in their week some devotional time with God. Of the three that I gave the journals to, one came back. And she shared her story about what it was like to be with God. And she said it was really cool because usually I only journal once a year. But it was neat to see how God was with me through that entire week. And you know what? God really calmed me down. And if anything more, I feel like who I am, that restlessness, kind of calmed down just a little bit. And it was really neat. I think I'm going to keep doing it. I told the group that this week, for whatever reason, was a little difficult. For three days, the Lord woke me up at 6.30 in the morning. 6, 6.30 in the morning. Now, I like that example of the test questions, like to cram all of my sleep into the last possible moment. If you know me well, there are two things I do than the average um, person does. I sleep and I eat. And those two things are, are, are things that if I don't get enough of them, I am very apparently grumpy like a two-year-old who does not want to take a nap and is fighting it. And so I cram as much sleep as I can into every morning, but the Lord kept waking me up. And I would wake up and I would see this picture in my head of me sitting out in my balcony in a chair um, and just having worship there. And, and I was like, nah, and then I'd go back to sleep. And then after the second morning that that had happened, I realized, you know, the Lord is waking me up because God wants to spend time with me. And so I made sure that that evening I did not go to bed late. I went to bed very early so that when I woke up again, I would wake up 
And I would go and I would sit in that chair and I would spend time with God. And I woke up and I did that that following morning. Uh, I did a little bit of journaling and you know it. I, I opened up a passage in my devotional and in that devotional it said something about don't ever put anything else before me. Don't love anything much more than me that you would be fearful of giving it up. And you know, there was nothing that I could think of in my life at that moment that I was really struggling with and then it hit me, it wasn't an individual, it wasn't a person, it was just me doing what I wanna do. Spending time um, doing uh, games on a computer or or spending time doing um, work that could be done the next day, or spending time doing anything but being with God. Things that weren't valuable or important to me. And I just remember being there for a few moments and realizing I need to recalibrate my life with God. Because if not, I'm going to start cramming my relationship with God in such a way that I'm going to miss out on the journey with God throughout my life. I'm going to miss out on the fact that he is preparing me for something that is beyond what I could ever expect or think or imagine. And I believe that this same God is doing that with each and every one of, one of you, is desiring that for each and every one of you. To change our character so much so that we can live up to be like the sheep that are on the right side of Jesus, so that we are living a life that is so in tuned with who God is and that character of God that when God calls us to himself, he says to him, when I was, he says to us, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. We live in a world where we don't trust anybody anymore. Can't. But God calls us to put ourselves in harm's way for the sake of his character, not to save anybody. We don't save people. God does it despite us. And yet God calls us into his ministry. I read through the entire book of Matthew before um, coming up here today. And I realized that chapter 24 and 25, they're not the main point in the book of Matthew. You see, before that, over and over again, Jesus is placing his hands on people who no one else would touch. Jesus is healing people of diseases. Jesus is teaching other people about himself and his father. Jesus is chastising people who are hypocritical. Over and over again, you know who he gets angry at? 
He gets angry at the people in the church who are keeping people from entering into the church. He's getting angry at people in the church that are leaders that are telling other people how to live their lives without living their lives in a way that gives an example like that. He's telling people, stop loving money so much. Stop being so prideful. Stop trying to make yourself big. Try and make God big. In Matthew chapter 6, the, 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 the scriptures say, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then, and then, and then there is the story of the talents where, where and, and talents, sometimes people uh, associate the word talents with, with physical talent, with, with abilities. But talents was the name of a coin, a coinage, like we call dollars, like, like the Zambians call quacha, like the Guatemalans call quexales, like that was the name of their money. Jesus was telling them, with your money, with the money that I give you, be faithful with it and return it back to me. Soon after, there is a story of a man named Judas, whom we later learn betrays Jesus for money. It's tough because so many years in our lives, we are taught that the Christian life means things get easy. But if I look at the life of Jesus as the pinnacle of Christian life, it's really tough. He was homeless. He had no home. He depended on others for what he would eat every day. He gave of himself so much that he didn't get sleep at night. He didn't have a place to lay his head. And his best friend gave him up for death. Sometimes being a Christian means that we put ourselves in a place where people will attack us. That's why it is so important and so valuable that we hold each other up. You know, we have so many people in our lives that, that tear us down already, that tell us we're not good enough. Let us not add to that to the individuals in our Christian community. The signs of the end of the age. They're all around us. The time is now. Jesus is coming soon. But don't fear it. Jesus will come and take you home. But don't be scared and don't cram for it. Spend your time scheduling in your life. Josie, I'm speaking to myself. Time with the Creator. Get to know Him. And so when you come to church, 
Church isn't a place where you get fed. Church is a place where you give because you've been eating all week. And may the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, dwell so richly in the individuals of our church that we believe that Jesus is coming now in our hearts. We believe that Jesus is already here. We believe that Jesus is coming again to receive his people. And we believe that it is not something to fear because people take and talk about the, the, the time of the end because they fear it. But the time of the end, in Revelation it says, the time of the end is when Jesus will stoop down and wipe away every tear from our eye. He will restore us to those that we love and have lost. He will show us what life was really meant to be like. And we will live, I don't even care if it's full of gold. I don't care if the streets are gold. I don't care if there's rubies and pearls. All I want to do is spend all of eternity with the one who created me. Whether or not I lie down on the grass with lions, if I never get to do that, I will be pleased to spend eternity with my Lord and Savior. Experience a love that nothing on earth could ever compare to. So I'm going to prepare today for the soon coming of Jesus and will continue to do so for the rest of my life, even when it gets hard. Because like in the story of Daniel, I will believe that Jesus is working on my behalf, even if I don't hear from him or know it for a fact. May your life be filled with the love of that God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our God and our Father, we look all around us and the signs of the end of time are, are, are everywhere. May our lives be a breath of fresh air to those who are suffering. May your character be so ingrained in our hearts that we don't even know that we are shining you through our life. May we be voices that lift each other up and do not create fear of you, God, but may we show people, because we are with you every day, may we show people that when we spend time with you, we don't have to fear the end, but we embrace it and we anticipate it. We anticipate your advent, God. We love you. We can't wait to see you. Take us home soon. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.